You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. Last week, we took you on a road trip to Boise, Idaho, so we thought we'd continue the road trip this week, but instead head towards Tulsa, Oklahoma to chat with Dr. Deborah Gist. Before we dive into Tom's interview, here's a bit of helpful background. Deborah Gist grew up in Tulsa. She earned a bachelor's degree in early childhood education at the University of Oklahoma. After teaching in Texas and Florida and earning a couple of East Coast master's degrees and then a PhD from Penn, she ran Serve DC, an extension of the DC mayor's office promoting service as an innovative, sustainable solution to pressing social challenges. Guest went on to lead the office of the state superintendent of education in DC. Three years later, she became chief in Rhode Island, where she ran what Tom calls the most innovative and inclusive state planning process. In Rhode Island, Gist made great use of social media to advance her agenda. She also chaired the nonprofit Chiefs for Change. Dr. Gist is back in Tulsa as school superintendent where, despite some of the lowest funding in the country, she's led an agenda to create powerful learning experiences for all students, cultivate safe, supportive, and joyful school cultures, attract, develop, and retain a highly effective and empowered team, incubate and implement innovative classroom school and district designs, and modernize the district office into a service and strategy partner. Tulsa is home to 86 schools, including demonstration sites, magnets for Spanish and French language immersion, science, engineering, and AP and IB programs. There are also schools focused on visual and performing arts, and students are offered dual enrollment opportunities. In 2015, Tulsa Public Schools responded to the growing need for skilled labor in the aerospace industry by joining with Tulsa Technology Center and the City of Tulsa to launch the Tulsa Tech Aerospace Academy. High school juniors and seniors spend half of the day in a traditional classroom setting and the other half in technical classes, including course offerings around computer network technology, cybersecurity, and network systems administration. This fall, Tulsa will become home to Oklahoma's first public Montessori school, where children will engage in hands-on, self-guided learning. Let's listen in as Tom talks to Dr. Gist. Dr. Deborah Gist, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome back to Tulsa. Oh, I'm so happy to be home. It it's must really be great wonderful. to be here. You have uh, deep roots here. I do. I attended Tulsa Public Schools from kindergarten through high school graduation. Wow. Where'd you go to college? I went to the University of Oklahoma. This is your third year? It is my third year. And what, uh, what feels like it's heading in the right direction now three years in? Oh, there are a lot of things heading in the right direction. I feel really encouraged about the work that we're doing to keep more kids in school and and get them to uh, graduation. So we've seen uh, big increases in our graduation rate. Um, Honestly, when I first came to the district, this is going to sound shocking, and it is, but it's absolutely true. I couldn't get my hands on a graduation rate. It wasn't something that was used in a significant way, and the state didn't and uh, have have it. I couldn't get anyone to, to hand me what the graduation rate was for the district. It really was mind-blowing. Um, but when I finally did get my hands on it, it was 63% of our students were graduating district-wide at the time. We're now at 73%, and we uh, we'll be releasing soon an increase beyond that from last year. So we're feeling encouraged about that. We know that our students are still not college and career ready, and ultimately that's what 
we want them to be in um, by the time they graduate. So we know we have work to do there, but we do feel confident that we're keeping more kids in school. We're going out and finding them, bringing them back. Uh, we have uh, alternatives for them if a traditional high school experience is not what they're looking for, and we're trying to grow those opportunities so that we can really be more flexible. Uh, with the realities of the lives of, of our kids and help them to be successful no matter what their uh, needs and demands might be. Sounds like you've started community conversations about what graduates should know and be able to do to be prepared. We have. We are doing a big effort right now to reimagine secondary learning entirely. And the, we were in inspired in a lot of ways by the work that was happening with the XQ Super School Project but really thought about this this issue there's, about is it school? There's a great set of resources that came out with that yes, and grant program. Absolutely. Right. Wonderful so it, it modules. Really and good study tools. material. Definitely. Right? Definitely. We've learned a lot from working on that. Um, but we really were looking at this issue about is it system reimagination or school reimagination? And of course, it's both. But we really felt like in Tulsa, we have an opportunity as a as a as a smaller district to to think about our system more holistically and to think about things that we could do that would uh, reimagine secondary learning as a city instead of just on a school by school basis. Yeah, that's exciting because that um, allows you to take advantage of the all the cool assets that you have, the companies that are here, the universities, the museums, That's bit right. of city as classroom. That's exactly right. So we know that in Oklahoma, we are um, woefully underfunded um, for, for uh, pre-K through 12 education. And that keeps actually getting cut back more, even though we've been historically underfunded. We've had greater cuts on a per pupil basis to education uh, more than any other state in the country in the last 10 years by a large margin. And so it's, it's hard, but we also know that we have incredible resources. So the ones you named certainly are among them. Uh, we have beautiful parks. We have an incredible library system that is truly awesome. And so we have these resources and we think, well, why are we confining our students to, to our four walls when we have all these other resources? We also have a really wonderful uh, career and tech system here in Oklahoma. We have a really top-notch community college with great leadership who's very interested in working with us. So we have a lot of things that we could take advantage of, but not in the way that we currently structure our schools, or at least not to the degree that we know we want to. So you, um, you're three years in, so you've had the chance to hire some of your own folks and build a team. It looks like you've got a great team in place. We do have a wonderful team. One of the things that has impressed me so much about Tulsa is just the number of wildly talented people who are here. I just, I remember when I first was transitioning in, I felt like every time I turned around, I was having another meeting with another individual or group of just just amazingly smart and dedicated and creative people. And so Tulsa is very fortunate. We, it's a, it's a kind of a well-kept secret that our little city here and not quite so little, about a million people in metropolitan area, but you know, it's not one of the large urban centers that, that tend to attract or, or keep um, talent like that. But we do because Tulsa is wonderful and people want to be here. So we have a, 
a fabulously uh, strong team at every level of the organization. So given uh, the level of funding in the state, it must be challenging to attract and develop a teaching core in Tulsa. That is without question our greatest issue. And I would say in so many ways, it's really our our only barrier to to dramatic improvement. Because that really, it, it uh, impacts you in a number of ways. It's both working conditions, but it's also uh, obviously pay and, and your ability to support the kind of professional learning that you'd like to. Yeah, I mean, our turnover is, is significant. So we had more than 20% of our teachers turnover last year, for example. And we have about a third of our teachers who are new to the profession in total. And we also have a, an increasingly large number of folks who are not traditionally certified, including really large numbers of people who are emergency certified, meaning that they have been through no kind of preparation program at all. Um, we have some really talented, strong teachers who've come to us from a variety of different um, pathways. But what we know is that new teachers, no matter their preparation, need a lot of support. And new teachers who have had no preparation for being in the classroom need a whole different kind of level of support. And so that's been tremendously challenging for us. It, there are also some opportunities within that, and we're doing some things that are taking advantage of that. But it is, it's really hard, and it's hard to hold on to our experienced folks who we know are the backbone of our schools. And we need strong, experienced educators to support our new educators and also to, to make sure that, that our students have that kind of stability within an organization. When you have a lot of new teachers in a building, you, it, it, it affects the working conditions of every teacher because, you know, new teachers, one of the things they tend to struggle with is classroom management. So it, it affects the discipline and, and things get a little, a little bit, um, uh, looser and then students go to the next class and they're a little bit riled up and that teacher has to do even more to try to, you know, keep them focused. And, and it just, it, it snowballs in, in a lot of ways that the uh, effect on teachers. And then in addition, we don't support our teachers adequately or our students with other kinds of supports, counselors and other adults in the building and things like that. You have uh, a number of schools that have joined the Summit Learning network what seven or eight schools in that yeah. network yeah. Um, why why was that attractive you know we offered that opportunity the the base camp opportunity to to our principals my first year and we were really excited and surprised at how many of them stepped up and went through all the motions, putting their application together and creating their video and, and so forth and the first year it was one junior high school and and three elementary schools and um, they dove right in and really embraced it and have seen great success. It's challenging. It's a, it's a massive change, of course, to practice. And so it, it comes with a set of challenges, but they're very encouraged and very excited about what they're seeing and have all kinds of stories and, and, and data to show the, the results that we're getting because uh, we're rethinking how we serve students at their level and, and move them along at a rate that we know that they're actually mastering the material. 
But that's just one of a number of improvement strategies that you're using across the city, isn't it? We are. We have um, a number of things going on. So I mentioned just a moment ago when I was talking about our teacher recruitment that we have some things happening there. So we have um, focused on our novice teachers and making sure that we're supporting them with coaches and mentoring and so forth. We also are, are launching right now what we call Tulsa Teacher Corps. So we're really uh, grateful to have worked with TNTP to get one of the seed grants and that's helping us to, to launch Tulsa Teacher Corps. And the idea there is that we're um, working with master teachers and, and our, our folks in our system to provide su- uh, training support for folks who want to become teachers. And then they'll be in a cohort. They'll go through a preparation program this summer. They have to be successful in that preparation program in order to be able to stay and actually be assigned to a classroom. And uh, then once they're in the classroom, they'll continue to get additional supports throughout the year. You have a couple of schools that have received some support from the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation for a, a formative assessment project. Why, why is that important? You know, formative assessment is... Uh, it's something that great teachers have always done in, in one way or another, but it is it is something that in order to do it well, it has to be um, planful and people need support and experience at, at, at putting it in place. And so we wanted to, um, to create some proof points for how we do this well and, and really build up the skill and knowledge within the district for how to do that well so that, that we can support others throughout the rest of the district. There are some communities that talk about collective impact, but this seems to be a place where it's really alive and well, where you have a set of nonprofits and local foundations that are working together with an unusual level of alignment. And despite really low state funding, you, you do have uh, a lot of things going uh, right for you here, a, a community that's really come together in a what looks like an unusual way. It is unusual. You know, I've lived and worked in six different states in this in this career. And I, of course, I'm partial. It's my hometown. But I, I've truly never seen the way that people, I've never seen it happen before, the way it happens in Tulsa, where people are all rowing in the same direction right. and are so committed to collaborating and making sure that we're all working towards the same end goals. And what's fascinating about that is it's not just the usual players. It's not just the business community and the faith-based community and higher education and and so forth. It's also, you know, the folks from our libraries and parks. It's also our surrounding districts. So Tulsa is an, an urban district and we have suburban districts around us and those superintendents are a part of our collective impact work as well. And we have some consistent goals that we're focused on together as a, as a, as a community. And it is, it is truly, I mean, we are maximizing every dollar we have. We are, and we don't have many, but the ones that we have, I believe are, are, are being maximized in ways that um, I haven't seen in other places that have a lot more money than we have. So I imagine what we would be able to do here in Tulsa if we were even adequately funded, we would just be knocking it through the, one of the, things, the park, through the roof, whatever you want to use. Uh, one of the things I'm going to talk about tonight um, at, at dinner is the future of work. And when I 
see the exponential change that's heading towards communities. It's the, the sort of civic infrastructure that you have here with people working together um, that might be the most important asset that a community can develop in, in order to deal with the sort of high rate of change that we're headed for. So it feels like um, there's a lot of things going in the right direction and it's a great time for you to be working on high school redesign. You know, we, we just are, I think that people in Tulsa understand that the way we've always done school is not going to, is not going to, is first of all, it's not clearly not working for a large number of our students because they're leaving or they're graduating and they're not fully ready the way we want them to be. So we already know that it's not working, but even for those who are successful in our system as it's designed, um, I think we understand that there's so much more that we need to be providing them. And some of it's content, so it's computer science and things like that, but it's also the type of learning experiences they're having and the way in which they're functioning throughout the course of their day. And we're not doing enough to provide them with opportunities to make choices and to self-regulate and right. to problem solve and to collaborate with others. And there's so much about that that we need to rethink. And, and I would say that, you know, I don't want to I just kind of skipped past computer science. We shouldn't. I mean, it is critically important. One of the things that I'll say a lot of times to community organizations, if I'm speaking to a group or something like that, is that I'll say, uh, you know, it's very likely that our pre-K students in our classrooms today will never have a driver's license. Right. And you know, half of them or more look at me like, what What in the world are you talking about? But then there'll be a few that are nodding and they see, yes, of course. You think how different things will be and how different they are now than they were just recently. The technology is changing so rapidly and the types of careers that are out there, but also the way, even the way in which we manage our careers is, is completely different. Dr. Deborah Gist, we uh, appreciate your work here in Tulsa. Thank you. We're glad you're here. A big thanks to Dr. Gist for taking time to chat with Tom. During the podcast, she mentioned the formative assessment project sponsored by the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation. For more, listen to season three, episode 14, What is Formative Assessment? We've got it linked in the show notes and on the blog. The Tulsa team is serious about dramatically improving the secondary school experience. For another example of a great new school, listen to season three, episode nine, iLead, student-centered, career-focused, accelerated learning. Tom was in Tulsa supporting a community conversation hosted by Impact Tulsa, a regional nonprofit aligning the community to provide a pathway for all students to thrive. We've written more about Impact Tulsa and Tulsa Public Schools in our blog that's associated with this podcast. The link is in the show notes below. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Caroline and Jessica signing off. Hey.